really wants to give itself away to see a need in the community and to connect with the community. And so thank you, first of all, to those of you who volunteered your time yesterday, your treasure and your talents, because uh, we, we saw probably close to 100 plus people yesterday. So that's just amazing to, you know, and just to see that neighborhood just light up, you know, just to see that, wow, you're a church and you're doing what? You know, and so that was fantastic to hear um, about the parenting workshop as we were talking to parents about it. They were interested, you know, didn't know what kind of reaction we would have gotten. So we'll see how that all plays out. But I want you to know that it was your faithfulness to be there yesterday. So whatever the outcome is, God's going to reward that. And so you never know what's going to happen. But we just continue to pray for the people that we connected with. And we're grateful for the people who helped yesterday, including 1010 and Express Church and Hope Community Church and Keystone Skipback. Um, and it was just a, a wonderful day. I don't know about you, but I was pretty exhausted by seven o'clock last night. But, <laughs> but just to say that um, these are the things that people will remember. They may not remember that, oh, we were a church or something, but they may one day pull out that card that they were handed when they're going through something. And they may go, you know what, I, I need to connect. You know, we, we met, uh, Tina and I met a lady who um, basically was like, I don't want anything to do with God. And by the end of the afternoon, she came to us and she said, I hope to see you guys soon. I hope to see you. Not us go to her, but her to connect. So who knows? Only God does, right? He's the only one that knows. And so we're going to trust in that and we're going to be faithful to what he's asked us to do. So from, from this pastor, I'm, I'm just so grateful for each of you who just want to be, be a part of God's work here in Norristown. So that's exciting stuff. And so as we, as we just take some time in God's word today, we're going to be looking at the war within. We've been taking the last couple of weeks just to take a look at the battle that we have in our minds. And we said last Sunday, we talked about our natural bent, our, our disposition, our temperament. And we said that our natural bent is how God has wired us. And we can either use our natural bent for what? A strength or a stronghold. And we said that the stronghold can be negative or positive. And we said that God can be our stronghold. He can be our strength when we have those battles in our mind. When we say, oh, I'm going to take advantage or not use my natural bent for his glory. And so uh, I want to encourage us that, you know, continue to work with what you got, you know, because that's how you've been wired. And when we, when we're not pleased with how we're wired, we're telling God he didn't do a good job. <laughs> and so, so that's where we want to head in this, this series called the war within. And we said that overall, over the next several weeks together, we said that we, we want to put in our hearts and our minds, what Romans 12, two said, God's very word tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because when your mind is renewed, what happens? Action will be renewed. And he goes on to say, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will for us is that we make him known and famous. God's will for us is that we live out his purposes for, for his glory and for his name and for his renown. And so as we, as we begin here uh, this afternoon, the, the question for us is, have you, have you ever done anything that you know probably wasn't a good idea, probably something that you shouldn't have done, and then after it's been done, then you're going, what did I do that for? Or somebody would ask you, what did you do that for? That's what my mom used to ask me. What did you do that for? I don't know. 
Or why'd you do it? I don't know, you know. But have you ever been there? Have you ever made decisions that you go, what, what was I thinking? And sometimes they have some pretty negative consequences to, to um, the decisions that we make and the things that we play out. And so what I want to do today is our message is simply titled, Into Everything I Hate. And we're going to be taking a look here at Paul, and he is here in Romans chapter 7. So if you have your Bible, let's turn together to Romans chapter 7. And today I'm just going to be going from the New Living Translation. I typically use the English Standard Version, but today we're going to do the New Living because it just popped a little bit. Uh, not better, that's a lack, that's bad terminology, but just saying that the way that the New Living Translation wrote it, I was just going, wow, that really speaks. And so hopefully it speaks to you as it did to me. But as you're turning there, what, what Paul is writing about here in Romans chapter 7, really he is speaking about freedom from the law. Now, if, if, you, if you're familiar with Scripture, you know that God's law was important to the nation of Israel and, and that that's what they were to follow. And so Paul's talking about that. But what Paul really wants us to understand is that when it comes to God's law, you can't accomplish it without a savior. That's what he was saying. Because again, when the law and then the oral traditions and all this, anything added to or taken away from God's law really wasn't the point of God's law. And so what he's saying here is that God's law isn't the problem. Our human hearts are the problem. And he goes on to say that in Romans chapter 7, he says that the law, God's law is spiritual and God's law is good. And, and what he wants us to understand is that you and I will always have a battle between God's way and our way. Am I right? Uh, maybe I'm not, but I know that when I want it my way, it doesn't go well at times when I'm not doing God's way. So what I want to do is look here at Romans chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 18 through 23 today. Romans 7, 18 to 23, and it says this, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. It's like a tongue twister going on here. But then he says, but if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. That's some powerful stuff. It's, I felt like when I was reading that, like I was the ball in a ping pong tournament. Like just back and forth and back and forth. What I don't want to do, I do. And what I do, I don't want to do. And this is mess and then it's sin and it's me, and, but I love God. And, and so maybe some of you feel that way at times. And maybe you feel like I want to do what's right, but I so often I get caught up in the very things that I want to do. But I still love the Lord. And I love his ways. But yet there's just something within me that says there's something better. And that is, is not what God has for us, right? There's always better and there's always best. God is always best. And so what we want to understand is over the last several weeks, we began our War Within series by saying that it's about identity. If you understand that your identity is in Christ, you'll begin to understand who you are. And then again, yes, last week, we talked about our personality. God has wired us. 
and, and how we're wired is important. But today, what we want to look at is we don't want to look so much. We're going to be talking about the battle of our mind, but we want to talk about our behavior. What makes us do what we do? And so what Paul begins here in verse 18, he knows that even though he is a follower of Christ, his desire to do right takes a back seat to what sin wants him to do. So right, the struggle is already there. Are you relating? I'm relating with Paul already. I've been tracking with him for a couple of weeks now. But here's the thing. Paul also knows that he will go into default mode. Default mode says, I'm going to give in to my sinful nature. And you may be thinking, wait a minute, he's a follower of Christ, but he has a sinful nature. Well, it's like this. When God enters our life, remember, it's, it's almost like it's this darkness that is in us. But then all of a sudden, with Christ in us, there's that light that begins to shine. And as he, as he sanctifies us, or in other words, as he cleans up our soul, and he cleans up our lives, that light just gets brighter and brighter. That's just an analogy, but do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That's important for us to understand because by giving in to his sinful nature, Paul knows he's doing what he shouldn't be doing. But before Christ, hear this, you and I were completely corrupt. We were completely corrupt. Sin has affected every part of our lives. And for our context here in this series, it has corrupted our thinking and our actions. But thanks be to God that we could be worse off. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did, that your, your work and your life and your death and your resurrection tells us that we don't have to be worse, but we could be worse off. But think about it. Think about when you've had a time when you acted or said something that surprised that you even did it. Have you ever had those moments? You're like, man, I can't believe I did that. But we shouldn't be surprised. Because we shouldn't be surprised at sin. If it wasn't for Christ in our lives, we are capable of doing anything. We are capable of getting into things that break the heart of God. And we are capable to do these things. Why? Because we'll give in to sin, not into the way of God. And so in verses 19 and 20, Paul says this. Listen, if you're like me, you're going to struggle with sin. And he goes on to say that, listen, I get very frustrated at the fact that the very things I need to avoid are the very things I get into. So I think about for myself at times, like I know that working out's a good thing because I'm a big guy. I've always been a big guy. I've been the husky kid. I've been the big bone guy. But my point is, is that I can begin to say, well, I'll just give in to the eating after eight o'clock. And I can give in to you know, the things that, you know, why can't I just have a serving size? And we're going to get into that in just a second because it all goes back to here. It all goes back to here. But my point is, is that we can relate to what Paul is saying. Paul may not, Paul may not have had the most recent technology, the devices, the, the tablets and the TVs and stuff, but Paul had things in his life that he's saying, I'm fighting this very thing just like you are today. But this is, this is the remedy. God's word is the remedy for us. And see, when we think about this, when we think about behavior or we think about actions, think about it this way, that actions, what we do is an above the surface issue. Okay, are you with me? So if, if there was like a line here, an imaginary line, we see that our actions are what is an, is what? an above the surface issue. But as you begin to go deeper down, 
we begin to see that our actions are a result of our thinking. Are you with me? So it's a result of our thinking, but it even goes deeper than that. There's a root to it. So there's always a root to the way we think, which brings about our action. Dr. Paul Tripp shared about a story of a husband and wife who were not getting along. And he got home one night from work and he got to the table to have dinner and he saw that there wasn't a lot of ketchup in the bottle. So instead of going to get another bottle of ketchup, he took the ketchup and he threw it across the room. And he said in that moment, he said, but it wasn't about the ketchup. There was a root to his frustration. And just unfortunately, the ketchup was the target of his frustration. And so we see that our behavior will always, if we start to dig down deeper, it's about how we think because these are below the surface issues and our thinking comes from a root. In other words, um, when I think about my own life, there are times where I've had anger. And my anger, why do, why do I... Why did I act out in anger? Because again, my thinking was, is from my life growing up, sometimes getting picked on, being made fun of, I had to defend myself at all costs. No one was going to get me. And so what did that do? That began the root. That was the root. And then began the thinking, which began the action. And so, so I'm just giving an example. Like some, some of us, our thinking is that. And so when I act down in anger, my thinking is this. I have to use anger to get things done. Or it may be control. I'm just going to give a couple of examples. Uh, control. And our thinking is I have to be in control. Or even false guilt. In other words, saying to yourself, every bad thing I've done, God will always punish me for. There will never be any forgiveness. Or even rebellion. No one tells me what to do. No one's going to do that. Pride. I have to have more of me, me, me. Fear. I have to stop what I think might happen. Not that it's ever happened, but I have to stop something that may never, ever come to be. Unbelief. Nothing is ever certain. There is no guarantees. Or even escapism. We get into things that, uh, whether they become addictive, or I remember working with students. Um, I worked with students who were cutting themselves. I worked with students who who were um, uh, had su not suicidal tendencies, but I remember a student who the parent called me and said, Jeff, can you come over? Because my son keeps talking about he wants to end his life. And so I went over and we began to talk to the student and his parents. And you know what it was? Is that his father worked all the time. His father was a customs agent at the Toronto airport. And his dad was always gone. He just wanted his father. And so he thought that if he began to talk this way, that he would get the attention of his father. But it began a road to recovery. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying this is you, these, these different ideas. There could be others, but those are just to name a few. You may relate to these things, but do you see how these things can take you out? Because if we don't get to the root of the issue, it'll always be there. I remember when we had friends of ours who... Uh, Tina was over their house and she was showing how there's uh, we got some mold in our bathroom. And then when they really started taking things down, they saw that it went in deep. But they thought maybe we can just cover up, patch it up. But that mold's going to what? Still be there because they didn't dig deep. They didn't tear out what they needed to tear out. And so that's why we have to 
remember that our actions are a result of our thinking, which is a result of a root of our issue. And if we let sin have its way, you all know this, that it's going to affect you and it's going to affect those around you. Because when we, when we think about this life that we live and how we act and how we behave and how we interact with others, if you remember back, back in the day, there was the golden rule. The golden rule said, do to others what you want done to you. But see, when we look at it in our context, in our series, the stronghold rule says, others will do to you as you've done to them. And so then it becomes, oh, you did that to me? Well, I'm going to turn around and do it to you. How is that healthy? That's stinking thinking. <laughs> but, the, but the word of God says this, humans can produce only human life but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. This is a spiritual issue for us. And listen, this can be very confusing for us with the whole, I do what I do when I shouldn't and da-da-da-da-da-da. But what we have to begin to do when we think about our thought processes, our root issues and our actions is to begin to say, I need to go back to the beginning. What, what do I mean by that? I have to go back to my salvation experience. What did God save me from? First, he saved you and I from eternal separation from him. The second thing he did is he saved you from this sin that so easily will mess us up in a heartbeat. And what he, he wants us to remember is that there's freedom found in him and that his power will help us overcome the very things that we hate. Because for every single one of us today, we're either going to destroy the strongholds in our life or we're going to go against the knowledge of God and tell him that we know better. And even, even, even further beyond that to say, well, instead of accepting God's grace, I'll try to bargain with him so that I can continue to do what I love to do. And so there's just a reality. You know, Jesus is someone who puts the line in the sand. But what we see in these first few verses here that Paul has written in your notes, we want to take sin seriously. We want to take sin seriously. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, but Satan is more serious about taking you out than sometimes you are about the sin that owns you. And if you want to have victory in your life, you have to kill the sin before it kills you. Don't let it get the upper hand. You can be on the offensive. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, he said, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. If you think you've arrived, well, then this message isn't for you today. But if you are saying today, listen, I got to start taking this stuff seriously. And I know I'm not standing strong because when I choose my way and when I choose sin, guess what? It's faulty ground. When we talk about killing sin in our lives, I thought about the story of David and Goliath. And why do I say that? It's because after David killed Goliath, it, the Bible talks about how he took off Goliath's head. And you're thinking, what does that have anything to do with sin? Well, in that day and time, when one army conquered another, they would do that. They would remove the head of the one who fought so that they knew it was done. So what sin needs to be put to death in your life? What is it that you have to kill before it kills you? The moment that you take over an area of your life, you're telling God that you don't need him. 
that's when we don't take sin seriously. And as we've talked over the past couple of weeks is that sin will always limit you and never free you. Sin will always limit you and never free you. So take it seriously. As we continue in verse 21, Paul reiterates again that living for God ends up with living for self. He says, man, every time I want to do for God, I do for me and I get into the things that I shouldn't. And for Paul being a, a Jewish man, he wanted to make sure he followed God's law to a T. Because look at what verse 22 says. It says, I love God's law with all my heart. So even in the midst of the 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 back and forth that he's writing, you know, it's almost as if he's writing all his thoughts out on paper. But then this one statement, I love God's law with all my heart. And I think about that in my own life. You know, once I begin to get into the things that create action because of my stinking thinking, but then I'm saying I love the Lord with everything that I am. But that's the fight, isn't it? The very, the very thing that wants to take you out is the very thing that's still fighting in your mind. It's okay. Just one more time. What's the big deal? Like, who's going to know? Nobody's going to watch. Nobody's seeing. But yet, in, I don't know about you, but when I've done things that break the heart of God, I know it. So we either choose that stronghold to be him or we choose to push him out of the way. But Paul is saying, I love him I love his word. I love his law with all my heart. But in Paul's very being, he admits that there is not only the spirit of God working him, but it's sin that's fighting against him. What a struggle. You ever feel like you're in a tug of war? Like, that's what's happening here. Paul is saying there is a tug of war for your very soul. And he's saying, listen, the spirit of God wants to give you freedom and life and sin wants to give you death and destruction. And he says, listen, if it's up to sin, it's going to destroy me. So do you, do you see what we're, we're saying here? What we're saying here is that God will fight for you, but you have to participate in the battle. The victory is already won. The victory is already won. When he left that grave, the victory is already won. But it started with him saying it's finished. That's what we have to see. Because you and I, our inclination is to rebel against the things of God. But his spirit tells us otherwise. He says, fight with me. Let's do this together. You can have real victory. You can have true freedom over the sin that you think is going to bring you satisfaction. Because when we look at the law, when we talk, when Paul talks about the law, we said that the law did what? Showed you for a need for a savior. So guess what? The law of God will push you to Christ. And guess what Christ does? He pushes you to the law. That's what he does. And, and, and here's the thing. What we learned in parenting, we were told this. Rules without relationship will always equal rebellion. And I remember that growing up. It was like, don't do that. Well, why not? Because I said so. There's times as a parent, I get it now. But my point is, is that rules without relationship will always equal rebellion. And it's the same with us, with our Heavenly Father. 
if we always about, oh, it's just a rule book, we can't have fun. Did you know that this rule book gives you a lot of freedom? Because he's telling you, these are the things you need to stay away from to have true life in me. So it'll always push us to Jesus and Jesus will always push us to do the things of God. That's why it's such good news. That's why we can live in the freedom that we have because in verses 24 and 25 of Romans chapter seven, Paul says this, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul knew, even in the midst of his dysfunctional thinking, he knew that Jesus was the way to freedom, to, to clear thinking. Paul also says in Romans 8, 2, he says, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So he's saying, as a child of God, you have been freed. Don't live like you're a prisoner. You don't have to stay that way anymore. That's why when we began our series, we said this is why it's important to understand that your identity is in Christ and your hope is in him. And you can begin to admit that this, that, hey, God, I can't keep my sin areas under control. And he will tell you, I never wanted you to do that. I wanted, me, I wanted you to let me and my grace and my mercy and my instruction be your So guess what? I'll give you an easy, I'll give you an easy statement here. Jesus is the answer. Now that's that's the easy answer, but listen, the 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 more direct answer is like not only is he the answer, but he will give you everything you need to overcome. Everything. And so if we need to begin to take sin seriously in our thinking and in our actions, we need to take obedience seriously. Because every single one of us has a root to our action. Every single one of us. And so whatever that may be, you may have to begin to say, God, what is it at the root, at the heart of it? What makes me continue to do what I do? What makes it that I continue to get into everything that I hate? And, and, I, I, and I just, I'm just tired. Because sometimes you have to get to that place where you're just tired of it. Not just talking about it, but beginning to step in obedience. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.11, he says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. He says, this world is temporary. He says, the very things that you think are going to bring what you need for life, temporary. Gone like that. Good friend of mine always said, you'll never know what you wake up to and you'll never know what phone call you're going to get. Like that. Temporary. We're just passing through. If you're a follower of Christ, you're just passing through. You're just carrying that backpack, and there's going to come a day where we meet him face to face and we can take it off because we're done sojourning. We're done traveling. We're done wandering. But in the midst of it, Paul is reminding us to take obedience seriously. Obedience needs to begin to be the natural flow when you want to kill sin in your life. Obedience to Christ. How? By taking every thought captive. Obedience to Christ, how? By allowing his Holy Spirit to be the antidote to your sin problem. But he's saying it begins with you taking that step. Do you notice how 
We have to participate in this work. Okay. So really, the question we have then is, where do you need to do things God's way? Where do you need to do things God's way? Because here's the deal. If you think the Christian life was easy when you said yes to Christ and everything was, you know, the birds are going to be flying and singing louder than you ever heard and the sun's going to be brighter, well, I'm here to disappoint you today. Following Christ is harder. And here's what I mean. When Paul talked about the law, the law said, do not murder. Jesus said, don't even think um, a hateful things against people. It's just like murdering them. <laughs> Are you with me? So it is harder. Jesus laid it out because the law was what was on paper, but really it was about the heart. You, you don't nullify God's law. Are you with me? But what I'm saying is it's, it's a heart issue. It's a spiritual issue. And you can know today that God's presence is with you. His power is for you. If you begin to take those steps of obedience seriously, not half-heartedly, but to go with him. So when we begin to take sin seriously, when we begin to take obedience seriously, we have to ask this. When it comes to overcoming what you hate getting into, I want to leave you with two questions this afternoon. The first question is simply this. Do I really believe I'm getting away with what I'm doing? Do I really believe I'm getting away with what I'm doing? Because the truth is, is that you and I might think we're fooling ourselves. We might think we're fooling those closest to us, but we're never going to fool God. Never. We won't fool him. And so, so when we get back to uh, what Paul was talking about, about getting into what I hate to do and what I hate, I love to do, it goes back to the root. What are those root things in your life that continue to have that thinking that is altered, which brings you to a place of action? You all know your lives. You know what you've experienced. We're going to be talking about that in the next couple of weeks about our family tree, our family of origin. But what we want to understand is that sometimes God will allow you to crash and burn. In other words, uh, you, it may be a situation where you get caught. It may be a situation where you're called out, whatever that may be. But you have to ask yourself, do I really believe I'm getting away with what I'm doing? Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be, be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. So you, God won't be made a fool of. Let that sink in for a second. You know, when, when I think about whatever one sows, that he will reap, I think about it as I got older. And there was one point, I was probably in my 20s. Yeah, I was in my 20s. Tina and I were married. And, and my max weight was 312 pounds. That's the most I had ever been. And I remember going to the doctor um, just for uh, a checkup. And he said, you know, Jeff, he said, uh, you're in perfect health. He said, you're just overweight. He said, so maybe you, you start taking some steps. Like instead of eating that pack of M&Ms, maybe eating some grapes. Maybe taking a walk. Do you want to be there when your kid graduates? Or do you want to be? I'm like, yeah, I do. I really do. And he said, well, this is the result of not taking care of yourself. So are you going to make some changes? 
And I really had to think about that because I really love sweets. But at the root of it, and I can't blame my family now, but but um, my my mom was a worry eater. And so whenever I'd get worried and concerned, guess what I was doing? I was looking for that Turkey Hill. <laughs> Ice cream, that is. Do you see what I'm saying? Right? It's very good stuff. And then when chocolate chip cookie dough came out, that's a whole nut. Like, that just changed my life after Jesus. But listen, I had to come to a point where someone had to call me out and say, listen, if you continue this, this is the direction that you're going to go. And it was at that point, what did I have to do? I had to make it a spiritual issue. I had to say, God, I have not taken care of myself. And I'm still, it's, this is the battle that I have. I will always battle this and fight this. But let me tell you that when I began to confess it, I began to take steps and say, you know what? I don't need more than a serving size. <laughs> I don't. But I need to have, let my outtake be more than my intake. Right, okay? So whatever it is for you, what do you need to confess? Because today is the day that you can call out to God and confess the sin that you haven't taken seriously. And guess what? You can let him know that if he doesn't show up, you're in trouble. But you know what? He's always there for you. But there may need to be some serious heart business that you can you have to take care of for him to go with you. He will go with you, but he's, he's not saying, I'll do it all for you. I had to do those things. The Lord just didn't go, boom, 100 pounds off. No. I had to confess that I had a problem. And so we gotta we really have to think about this when we think about our our thinking and our actions to think, am I really getting away with the very things that I hate? The second question is, do I really believe that victory is possible? That's the second question. Do I really believe that victory is possible? Because you may be here this afternoon and you might be thinking, uh, no, it's very impossible. You may be thinking that there's no way that I can do this. Or you may be thinking that I'm on my own and I don't know how I'm going to get through. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. It just seems one, one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, five steps back, and it's just I want to give up. But the psalmist writes in Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Listen, if God can redeem those who were in trouble then, don't you think he can do it today for you? That's a yes. Just wanted to let you know, that is a yes. So, so when we begin to ask the question, is victory possible? And you begin to believe that victory is possible through Christ, then what do we need to do? We need to replace our headspace. The way that we thought, maybe dealing with the root of our issue, the way that we act, we begin to replace our headspace and saying, God, what are the things that I need to replace in my life? For me, it was M&Ms to grapes. For me, it was walking instead of sitting and watching television. And through that whole process, uh, years ago, I lost 90 pounds in a year. Now, that's not to brag. That's just to say, oh, I actually started doing some things and putting them into practice. And look what happened. Now, do I still do I still fluctuate? Yeah, because when I start to get into, I'm going to do my thing, I'm going to eat and do what I want. And as I get older, you know, the older guys are telling me, you know, it doesn't go as quick. 
Just throwing that out there, Jeff. And I'm like, okay. But, but really, maybe it's asking yourself, what do I need to replace? The very things that I hate, what do I need to replace them with? Replace them with the things of God. Put yourself around people who, listen, who love you, who will journey with you, who won't point their finger at you, but put their arm around you to hold you accountable. But you have to first ask yourself, what do I need to replace? And listen, nothing will ever be possible if you live with a defeatist mentality. If you live with an attitude of like, I'm going to do this on my own, I'm going to show the world, you'll always be where you are. But with God, though, all things are possible. All things are possible. And as a kid, I remember watching the G.I. Joe cartoon, and they used to say at the end of every episode, and knowing is half the battle. And now it's just stepping into that. And so as we close this afternoon, I'm going to ask David to come back up as we'll take time to worship the Lord in song one last time. But we said this afternoon that there is a tug of war for your soul. There's a tug of war for your thinking. There's a tug of war for your actions to do what is right or to do what is wrong. So how then is Jesus speaking to you today? When we talk about this idea of taking sin seriously, taking sin sin seriously, taking obedience seriously, how is he speaking to you? Because for some of you today, it may be the simple fact that you just need to quit playing games with your faith and call out to God for healing for restoration because you may need to go a little bit deeper than you thought you had to. You may have wounds in your life that have not had the ointment that it needs to heal. So what's he saying to you today? Some of you just need to simply take some necessary steps to have freedom in Christ. And maybe you just need to call out to God and ask him for greater faith and his strength. Remember Hebrews eleven six: without faith, it's impossible to please God. But to those who believe he exists, he will reward those who earnestly seek him. So if you're going to try and do it on your own, guess what? Good luck. <laughs> but you can call out to him today for the faith that you need. God, give me the faith to trust what you say. Give me the faith to move with you. I need your strength. And maybe maybe it's simply saying, listen, I have not invited the Lord in to my struggle. He's not going to be surprised. He's going to be glad to show you his way. So my prayer has been over the last couple of weeks is that I know for myself and I've been praying for 1010 is that we would begin to look at our lives and take this thing called sin seriously. At the same time, we would take obedience just as seriously. And that more and more our hearts would say, I am so in love with God's law with all my heart the very law that brings freedom. 
because you and I can begin to live as overcomers and not as sin victims. Because it's easy to blame sin. It's easy to say, well, the devil made me do it. Or you can live as an overcomer through the power of Jesus Christ, the one who can break chains, the one who is our savior, the one who is our victor, the one who is our king. There's power in his name. Father, we come to you this afternoon and it seems like, you know, we come each week and we hear about miraculous